On this episode of the Swallow Your Pride podcast, we have Diane Wolf. She's a widely published author and journalist. She gave up the literary life and became her mother's primary caregiver when her mother was diagnosed with dementia and swallowing difficulties. Her friends thought she was crazy, but she thought it made her writing better. As a journalist, Diane researched the available cookbooks and found them unhelpful. She researched foods available commercially and found them boring and tasteless. She interviewed healthcare professionals, including physicians, dietitians, and SLPs, nurses, and nurses' aides. She discovered that the dysphagia kitchen was an overlooked area. She wrote the volume that she wished she had when her mother was first diagnosed. She wrote a six-book series, Purees of the Season, with a different technique and ingredient for delicious puree. She follows the Harvard Chan School of Public Health Healthy Eating Plate. She has won the Caregiver Friendly Award from today's Caregiver Magazine twice. She regularly does virtual cooking classes and lectures. She's created a webinar for the National Foundation of Swallowing Disorders on how to puree the Thanksgiving meal. She is listed in the Sage Encyclopedia of Human Communication and Communicative Disorders. Diane is developing a line of pureed frozen foods and is working on a collection of her cookbooks for a major medical press. The website for the Essential Puree Library is EssentialPuree.com. And I hope you all enjoy this episode. I thoroughly love talking with Diane. It's such a she's such a strong advocate for her mother and why she got into this. And, you know, really, I, I know her passion just just bleeds through with this conversation. So I hope you all enjoy it. Welcome to the Swallow Your Pride podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Richard. I'm a board-certified specialist in swallowing and swallowing disorders and founder of the MetaSLP Collective and MetaSLP Education. This podcast is dedicated to delivering the latest evidence-based practice to medical SLPs everywhere, while also recognizing that medical SLPs everywhere are doing the best with what they've got. Whether you are a new clinician seeking tangible tools for therapy or a seasoned vet stuck in a rut, my goal is simple, to help you advance your practice without feeling overwhelmed or underappreciated. This means that together we'll build confidence, broaden your knowledge, and reignite your passion for our field. So if you're listening, I encourage you to swallow your pride and be open to new ideas because at the end of the day, you and your patients deserve that kind of support. With that, let's dive in. Just a quick disclaimer that all statements and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect on the organizations associated with the speakers and are their own opinions solely. Good afternoon, Diane. Hi, Teresa. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm very honored to have been invited. I think you have a fantastic, uh, the Medical SLP Collective. I'm just thrilled to be partnering with uh, such a fantastic group of people. I think you're providing a wonderful, wonderful service for, because I, I think you're right. I read your bio and you were talking about, you know, how people needed information and education. And that's my goal is in harmony with yours. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. That's so sweet of you. All right. Well, tell the people who you are. I am I'm an, an author. I'm a writer. And I was leading the literary life when my mother was diagnosed with dementia. And as a result of her dementia, she had a swallowing disorder. And she asked me if I would come and take care of her. And all my friends thought I was crazy giving up the literary life. But you know what? I found something. That was fantastic. I didn't know that I could do this. I met communities of professionals who were compassionate. 
they taught me and my heart opened up and my writing got better because instead of sitting alone in an ivory tower, you see my library, which is under construction. <laughs> the library is under construction. But, you know, I was in an ivory tower and all of this, I didn't know that I could do this. So I got into it and my mother's primary care physician said that she was doing so well. He said, you know, we need tools for our patients. And nutrition is often an overlooked area, and it really is important for quality of life. Why don't you write a cookbook? And that's how it all started. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, yeah, where where, where should we start? Where should we go from here? Well, what I've done is create, as I said, nutrition is an overlooked area. And all of the trends in the hip food world now are all about how diet can affect your immune system, how diet can affect your health. And among the people who deal with the the health of seniors, particularly those with swallowing disorders, which is a constant like five to eight percent of the population, nutrition often gets overlooked. And a lot of people are suffering from malnutrition or they don't want to eat or the food is boring and tasteless. You don't have to be freaked out. And then there are for, there are people who have to be on pureed food. I did a lot of research, and I figured out how to simplify the recipes, how to simplify the cleanup, how to simplify the food storage and labeling, so that if a family was time-pressured or time-challenged, they could do it simply and easily. Yeah, I love that so much. I think, and I come from both sides of the spectrum, right? I have... You know, I'm a speech pathologist, very passionate about swallowing disorders, but I also have a son who has a feeding disorder. So he's, oh my gosh, he's going to be eight soon. That's crazy. But his whole life, we've been modifying his foods. It's just, it's the hardest thing. Like, you know, why, okay, we could just feed him applesauce all the time. Right. But like, I think if I tried to give the kid one more thing of applesauce, he would spew it all over me. But, you know, it's always been something that I'm like, why is there not why do I, as a speech pathologist who have so much knowledge about this area, why do I not know about a ton more resources that are out there? Like, why is it so hard for me to feed my own child with all of the knowledge that I have? So, you know, it, it takes a it takes a family member that's been through this that, like you said, it flipped the whole household upside down. It are none of our meal times are quote unquote normal. You know, it's it's I would say totally dysfunctional chaos. This is is what I see. I'm really glad you said that because that's exactly what I was trying to address Yeah, is how to make it easy for someone. like You obviously have a brilliant career. You're a mother and a professional and you're time challenged. So see, this all got really, really, really brought to the fore when I spoke with this fantastic SLP in Port Charlotte, where I live. And he said to me, look, nutrition is an overlooked area. It's just overlooked. There's a void. He said, and I want my patients to have, I don't want them always alone in a room. I would like to find a safe way to have them participate in the quality of life, but you have to do it safely. So that's what started the whole thing. And, um, I hired a noted dysphagia care expert to write me the rules for thickening food and beverages. This was when the new ITSY chart was just coming in. So that I was giving, had a healthcare professional providing the scientific information. 
And I provide, I, well, you know what I did? You, you asked, you asked a question when you at, told me I was going to be on your podcast. You said, what changed your world? What changed your approach? So if I could answer now out of turn, could, could I answer now? Yeah, would love that. Well, I said to my mother, it's a good thing you were such a good mother and you taught me how to cook because the food, I come from a family of great cooks. And my stepfather was one of the pioneers in the hotel industry in Miami Beach. And he was always in charge of the food. So my mother always had French chefs and this and that, right? She was not going to eat lousy food. So I said, you know, now I'm cooking for you all the things that you cooked for me when I was little. So it's a good, you know, so you're eating your own food. That was the first thing. Yeah. But the second thing was I started watching a lot of videos of great chefs. And the one great chef that I found was the most brilliant in terms of the dysphagia kitchen was Wolfgang Puck. And the reason he was so good was that he didn't use many, many, many ingredients. It was a simple recipe with a classic technique and easy cleanup. And he emphasized completely having the right tool for the job. I lectured, I started doing lecture demonstrations in hospitals and showing people who had a stroke, a family member who was a stroke patient, people who had Parkinson's. I start, you know, and then I couldn't go into the hospitals when COVID came. So I started making the videos myself so that people could still get the information. And I would cook the dish when I cooked live and let them taste it, thicken it and let them taste it. But when you're not cooking live, you have to rely upon the person who, so I started making little mini cooking videos, which I plan to make more of. Oh, I love that. I wrote, after I got done with the guidebook, I'm an Asia scholar and the great medical traditions of Asia, the Chinese traditional medicine and the Ayurvedic medicine all emphasize that nutrition is the foundation of good health and the ingredients that you take in can affect your health. So the ingredient, people get bored eating the same thing all the time. So I decided I'll change the food and the ingredients and the techniques with the seasons. So I wrote the seasons of puree and each season I pick one, for example, a slow cooker, which would be my appliance for the fall because you can make a braise is ideal for puree because the food is soft and tender and you can make six servings at a time. I show everybody a system. You cook once, you put up five servings, you have six meals. Then the next time you cook, you do the same thing. And pretty soon it gets to be the one person, for example, you don't have to be there all the time or me to make the meal. Someone in the family who doesn't cook can warm up a meal and serve it properly with the, you know, swallow guidelines and everything and give the caregiver a night off, namely me. You know know what I mean? So I was trying to show a system. Here are your tools. Here's your technique. Here's your food storage. Here's your labeling. Here's your puree, you know, and then I sent your uh, assistant the link to an article that I wrote that's on the Dysphagia Cafe website that I consider extremely important. It's about eating with your eyes and the importance of atmosphere. So I suggest 
use pretty plates and bright colors and different shapes so it doesn't always look the same. Or if you're inspired and you have time and you want to and you would like to, if once the food is thickened to the right consistency, you can even pipe it into on a plate into like, I myself personally don't like creating the food in molds. And the reason I don't like doing that, I, I interviewed a number of dietitians and the head dietitian at St. Joseph's here said to me, look, the patients don't care if it looks like a carrot. They care how it tastes. She said, don't put all the starch in it to make a mold because it's harder to digest and they're getting a mouthful of starch. So I just used, I, I don't have any sponsors. When I review a product or I review an appliance, it's a strict review. There, I do not have, I, I do not accept sponsorship from anyone. So the thickener that I came to use by choice was simply thick because it had the best properties. It mixed the best. It, it easily digestible. It did not leave an aftertaste. It's a xanthan gum thickener and it comes in all the different levels that you need for thickening food and beverages. But anyway, you can thicken the food and then pipe it onto a plate. So a carrot would have like roughly a carrot shape. It doesn't have to be molded firmly into a carrot. You could make little swirls, little rosettes when you're doing potato. You know, you could imitate the look. Or I like it when you buy pretty plates of bright colors and you just put the food in the different plates and arrange them so that Eating becomes atmosphere and eyes yeah. as well as just, you use the senses that the person doesn't have. In my, my mother's case, what I would do is in the beginning, I would show her all the ingredients that I was going to eggplant Parmesan tonight, mom. Here it is. Make the dish and show her the completed dish and she would smell it. And then I would puree. So that it wasn't just every meal she was handed a bowl of pureed food. There was a more of an experience of the process to include her. And then this SLP, David Fagan, said to me, I would like, if they follow the guidelines for the safe swallow, I would like my patients to be able to join in, for example, the iconic summer has just passed. But So I said, well, you can't grill food for a puree patient. You cannot because the grilling creates a char and the char, besides not being all that great for you, it, you can't swallow it. So I recommended you get an indoor grill, you cook on low and slow, you have the same flavor, but you can puree it. And then the person is not eating the same food that's cooked on the grill for the other family members, but they're still having a burger or a, something that they're joining in as opposed to being isolated. And the other thing that I wanted to do, again, with the encouragement and the advice of these brilliant SLPs, David Fagan said to me, if the guidelines for the safe swallow are followed, you can have a game day menu and the family can eat the same recipe that the patient is eating, only you're pureeing the patient's food, but you're making a chili. Could be vegetarian or it could, I make, you know, every vegetarian, vegan, all of it. The, the recipes are there. But the, the, the family can eat the food. And then the person is eating the same thing. So there's a bonding. There's a sharing because that's all quality of life. Yeah. 
I think that then that's that was honestly the hardest thing for our family. That that was honestly the hardest thing for our family was just cooking different meals for everybody, you know. And I was like, this just stinks. Like I don't want to cook something different for him. I don't want to cook something different for my daughter. I don't want to cook something different for us. But yeah, yeah. Well, you're you're exactly the person that I was creating for. Thank I, you. I wanted to simplify your task. Yeah. Shorten the amount of time. Nobody wants to cook multiple you know so it was kind of like you could feed the family and you could free i advocate and it's on my website in the blog page there's a a video on batch cooking meaning you cook once and you make eight servings or six servings but you could put servings aside for the family and servings that are pureed for the loved one but my whole goal was to say People becomes people who eat the same thing are joining in the love. Food is medicine. Food is love. Yeah, is one of my little mottos. Yeah, and I gave a talk. At, uh, I was showing how to make desserts because desserts are very hard to do, and my mother had a tremendous sweet tooth. So I gave a lecture demo at. Um, there's a charity in New York called God's Love We Deliver. There, it's a wonderful charity. And they deliver food, 5,000 meals a day to people who are too sick to cook for themselves and to their caregivers as well. And um, I pureed for them. I pureed desserts for them. And it turned out that my system was the same as the system that I used with how to label, cook more than one batch, freeze in glass. This is a tip. Freeze in glass because when you thicken something and you freeze it in plastic, it sticks to it make multiple servings, and then you keep a whiteboard on the front of your refrigerator or freezer that tells you, I have six servings of vegetarian chili in here. And you put the date that you put them in and the date that you use them by. So on one Sunday, you're making that. Then the next Sunday, you make eggplant. And then you always know. So the person has a choice, you know, they have a choice. Now you can puree it before you freeze it. I personally advise people make the batch cooking, freeze it, unpureed. And when you thaw it, then puree it and thicken it and serve it because, you know, I mean, it doesn't, it's a choice, but I think that the, it has a little bit more flavor, but you would find my cookbooks helpful because they do consider the need of feeding the family as well as the person. And, it's about quality of life. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about like, I, I love everything you're saying. Cause I think, you know, as speech pathologists, as, as working in the medical field, we look at things very scientific, right. Or, or very black and white. Like it must be this, it must be this, but we know, you know, that, that eating, like you said, food is medicine. We know it's so much more ritualistic. It's such a quality of life thing. Like there's so much more to it than just here, eat this, right? Like this is good nutrition. Exactly. Well, I'm going to, I'd like to tell you some of the mottos that we have. Yeah. It is better to have a tweaked version of the dish than not to have the dish at all. Yeah. So sometimes you have to change the dish in order to serve it. But if you don't change it, so it's good for puree, you can't have it. So when your son or grandpa or mommy says, I want fried chicken. You have to say, mother, I love you dearly. I would love to give you fried chicken, but you cannot swallow it. So we're going to give you stir fried chicken. And then, you know, they have to, they have to deal with it. And then the other thing, well, the other motto, life is too short 
to eat boring, tasteless food. That's it. Okay. And the final motto is the sauce is the medium of flavor. So this is really important. It's I consulted with a woman who was the nutritional psychologist for a group of nursing homes. And she said, the cooks in our kitchens can't get any flavor into the food. Why? Why? And I, she said, they're pureeing what the rest of the residents of this assisted living facility are eating, but it doesn't taste like that. Well, you have to, you're a scientist. I'm, I'm a, home cook that like you i thought it was an outrage that millions of people were having nothing to eat you know so let us say that i poached a piece of fish for you and i seasoned it and then i pureed it i'm increasing the surface area of that piece of fish by a factor of thousands i could not put enough seasoning on it to make it taste good because it would catch in your throat. Mm -hmm. So you take one cup of the protein and the correct ratio, you start with a third of a cup of the sauce, whatever sauce. And I have a book that's, a, I think it's a free download. It's called the master sauce guide, right? So you interview your son and you, which are your favorite sauces, sweetheart? What what do you like? Because everything has to be mild. You can give them the sauce, but you can give a mild curry, a mild barbecue, a mild, you know, butter sauce, whatever it is, a lemon butter sauce. There are millions of sauces. You find out what the person likes the most. And then you say, well, what would you like tonight? So, okay, so tonight he would like lemon and butter, right? So you use a third of a cup of lemon and butter for a four-ounce serving of poached fish and you will get a really tasty puree because what the person is tasting is the fish is the sauce yeah they're not tasting the fish they're tasting the sauce yeah it's suspended it's like i took the theory from chinese philosophy the whole idea of negative space that you can hear the sound of silence right yeah so this is yeah. you can taste the the sound of sauce sort of. yeah Talk to, talk to me, Diane, a little bit about, you know, we talk about how good, you know, good food tastes good, obviously, makes you want to eat more of it. Talk to me about your mom's sort of nutrition status while she was going through all this, because we do have research that says that, you know, once patients are put on altered diets, they, you know, are, are usually can be quick to develop malnutrition, dehydration, electrolyte imbalance, all these things. So I would love to hear how sort of you with the chef's mindset creating these meals, you know, how, how was her nutritional status? Well, this is why um, her primary care physician asked me to write a book because he said she was doing really well. She was taking in a caloric intake. She had a good breakfast. I made her favorite, her favorite breakfast was oatmeal and I gave it to her with banana and yogurt for protein in it. But I also, with, with the advice, she had a wound care doctor. Mm -hmm who wanted her to have liquid vitamins and liquid minerals. So, but I did this on the strict advice of a, of a doctor, the wound care doctor. He, he told me what he wanted her to take. And I added it to her oatmeal because she wasn't going to, nobody wants to swallow the pills. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm so curious, really, just how, like, I mean, we, we know how much nutrition impacts these things. And I, I actually have a family friend right now that their mother is in hospice because of a horrible, horrible wound. And same thing, the doctor keeps telling the family, you know, bring her in this food, bring her in this food. She needs this, she needs this. And it's just so terrible that we can't actually get those foods in like our hospitals or nursing homes. You know, why aren't these foods being fed to these patients? You know, it stinks that it's on on the the families. But again, I'm so grateful that. Well, it's funny that you should bring that up because that is one of my passions. I would love to continue this conversation with you, but I am working right now. I'm in discussion with a company that provides pureed foods to hospitals. They have a small program but I asked them if they would let me develop a line of foods for them that would be for hospitals, but also available for home health care that could be ordered by subscription. So to continue about the doctor and my mother would eat, sometimes she'd eat more or less lunch. The trick with, you need nutritionally dense snacks because that you need to keep the cow. I was told this by the head dietitian. At God's Love We Deliver, who's a, her name is Lisa Zolik. She's fabulous. She said, look, they need nutritionally dense snacks because you lose weight on pureed food because part of the work of digestion is being done when the food is pureed. Yeah. So I created, I'm trying to create now a sweet, a line of nutritionally dense snacks. Some are like shakes, and I have a free download on my website that's called Shake, Rattle, and Roll. It's nutritionally dense shakes. And I have two cookbooks. I'm I'm going to mention this now. One of them is called, for the fall, I have a series of fall cookbooks. There are three. One of them is snacks and shakes that are not, the Shake, Rattle, and Roll are kind of like regional takes on ingredients the shake rattle and roll is more mainstream and then on the fall line of the cookbooks i also have the game day cookbook which is the one that i was telling you about where you make food that's for the family and for the the loved one but all of my recipes could be for i i have a webinar up on um the national foundation of swallowing disorders i did a webinar for them on how to puree the the holiday meal it's how to puree Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a meal the way I made it instead of roasting one big turkey. This was our household was small. I just pressure cooked a breast of turkey because I didn't need that many servings. But you could do it with a regular roasted turkey if you had. In other words, I adapted. I adapted the desserts. Yeah. I, I haven't, I believe it's in the holiday meal cookbook. It's in one of those fall cookbooks. I have a steamed custard that's made of pumpkin. It's like pumpkin pie. It's a flan, but it's made from pumpkins. And it's just steamed in a pot with a steaming rack. So the person can have pumpkin pie. In other words, I've done, I've approximated the flavor profile of the classics. That's what I, why I was so hip yeah. to Wolfgang Puck. Because everything he does is classic. And then I have on my Instagram at Essential Puree, I have examples of foods from all the demographics in Florida, all the different. I find a well-reviewed cookbook of that type of cuisine from either soul food or the African-American diaspora or 
the Cuban kitchen. I have the Asian kitchens. I have everything up there. I find a recipe from a well-reviewed cookbook, and then I demonstrate the puree. But it's their interpretation of the food, you know, because I'm not a cook of any of those. And I have been lucky enough to have Dr. Alveda King, Martin Luther King's niece, she is supportive. I'm going to go lecture there and show how to puree the specialties of that cuisine. Because in a place like Atlanta, you have a lot of different cross cultures coming together there. So I'm showing that too. So on the website, you can get the, the sauce, the sauce, master sauce guide. That's free. The download of tools for the kitchen is free. The download of how to puree, um, food and beverages. That's free. And that was the one written by the dysphagia consultant. Because what I'm trying to do is patient and caregiver education and give people like you something that you can recommend reliably, you know, and know that you're giving them something. It's well-researched. It's, you know, I'm, I'm the queen of research. I talked to all the healthcare professionals. I've reviewed all of the appliances and, um, you know, I get calls. I get calls from caregivers, you know, daughters. My mother's in a nursing home. Yeah. She won't eat the food. She hates it so much. And they told her if she doesn't eat, they're going to put her on a feeding tube. And that she said she would does not want to be on a feeding tube, so the nursing home asked her to leave. And I took her home, and I got her your cookbook, and she's eating. So that makes my day. And I've heard that more than once. Yeah, yeah. And there, there's, there's so many things. I, I would love to pick apart that whole thing because there's so many things wrong with that. <laughs> but I, yeah, I love that you're able to to provide the, the the vehicle for them actually. So thank you, Diane. I sent you an article that I wrote that has all the links to my interviews, the blogs, my Instagram channel. Awesome. My I just started the cooking channel. At the, I mean, the cooking videos at the very end of COVID, and I am going to make some more. I haven't gotten back to it, but I'm going to do more of those. I've been teaching AARP has a Facebook users group for family caregivers and they, they need help too. So I've been kind of teaching them Yeah. and I get a, a lot of questions, you know, then I can interact with them live. You know, they, they, they can ask me quest specific questions like on my Instagram, which is at essential puree. I have a slideshow showing basic tools for the kitchen. So if you just get diagnosed and you say, what do I need to get set up? It's on there. Yeah. It's all there. The A good blender and a 3.5 cup mini food processor is what you need to get started for a puree station that you would keep in your kitchen that would be like a station in a restaurant where that's your area. And then, of course, you know, you need a cutting board. You need some knives in. Yeah. There's some other things you need in there. But those are your basic tools. And so in my book on the free download on tools for the kitchen, I say, okay, this is, here's the budget combination. Here's a standard combination. And here's the deluxe combination. It, because not everybody can spend $500 on a Vitamix. But there are plenty of really good tools out there at all levels for people. They just need guidance, you know. So that information is up there. And then the how to thicken food and, you know, how, how much do you use. And all my cookbooks are up there now in a bundle. 
I am in talks with um, a, a major medical press to do a combination with everything in it. And I'm looking for um, various healthcare professionals to write the science part of it, but all the recipes for all the seasons and everything, it's going to be a collection. So the eBooks that are up there now are going to become collector's items because they'll have to come down when I do the big book, but it's an important press and it's going to be yeah. a really important tool for people. So I'm saying to people, uh, Take a look and see if there's anything in there that you that I describe on the website. I describe the contents of every book. Find out what's in there and if it can be of help to you. If it is, get it now because, you know, within a year, it probably it won't be there anymore. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Diane. This has been so informative. I, I have no idea about all this stuff. I hate that stuff. So thank you so much for sharing everything. Well, I would be happy to be invited back, miss. <laughs> well, as David Fagan, the SLP said, the nutrition part of it is an overlooked area. Yeah, I know. I know. I like, this is just what, this is why I do this show, honestly. And this is what just drives me nuts that there's one. And it's that, so critical for what it is. It in is. that article that I clicked, I sent you an article through your assistance where Sam Sifton, who's the head of the New York Times cooking section, he has a quote that was very inspirational to me. And he said, deliciousness matters. It makes a person feel cared for. It improves the mood and it improves the immune system. And during COVID, everyone wanted to boost the immune system because they didn't want seniors going into hospitals because the contagion risk was greater than at home, you know. So boosting the immune system yeah. is so important. Yeah. I think, I think what's so tough is, is us as speech pathologists, right? Like there's, there's almost like two camps. Like it's like, we're supposed to stay in our lane. We're only supposed to treat the patients with the knowledge that we know. And then there's also, but we know all this other knowledge and we need to talk to all these other professionals and we need to be a team and be an interdisciplinary collaborative team. And sometimes, you know, people push back on like, well, are we going too much into the dietitian territory? But for me, I don't think we're going too much into the dietitian territory when we're just giving resources, right? Like when we're saying, like, I would love to tell people about your information because it's just information that's helpful. And and I, like I said, as a mother of a, of a kid with special needs that needs these resources, when you're told you now have, for lack of a better term, a problem that you have to solve you need help solving that. And I think we're remiss if we, if we just say, you know, oh, I don't know the answers to that. Go talk to a dietitian. Somebody can tell you to just blend the food. Like, Well, here's, here's the way, you know, when I first started doing this, Jonathan Waller, who's the founder of the Dysphagia Cafe, put my article up on the Dysphagia Cafe because he said to me, and he's very eminent in the field, he said, you represent the caregiver's point of view. I'm the person who, when you discharge your patient, I, I'm dealing with them at home. And my concern, it's not who, if a, as I said, I interviewed many dietitians. I inter, but the SLP is the person who does the, the, the barium swallow test. You're the one who's doing the, the diagnosis. So one of the women who's working on my team with developing this line of frozen pureed foods with me, she was the former head of long-term care at Aetna Insurance in Florida for years. And she had a hundred people working for her. And she said that she visited every level of healthcare institution and long-term care institution 
in the state of Florida from the Motel 6 level to the Ritz-Carlton level. And the single consistent complaint that she had was about boring, tasteless food. So I I understand as a medical specialist from your point of view, but I think on this one, everyone should think about the patient in a home. The cost of facilities is going up. More and more people are electing to stay at home and age in place. So the home health care situation becomes an extension of the of your practice. And if you think about the patient and caregiver education and you have a reliable source, I think it's you want Heidi used to say when we discharge a patient from Aetna, we want it, we give them the recipe cards to like get your book. Here's a recipe, here's the card this is a good thing to do. We're not recommending, we're not telling them, we're not taking over from the dietitians. What we're doing is aiding the transition from a number seven diet, a normal diet, to an itsy diet. And it's an important transition. And I want to tell you, you can look on the videos on my Instagram channel. I interviewed one dietitian who said, look, when a People are not eating a normal diet anymore. There's almost like a mourning process they go through. They get depressed because eating is one of the great pleasures of life. And you have to deal with the patient's psychological condition. And I think that supersedes any argument about whose territory is this. It's that the patient and the caregiver need to be assisted through the transition, through the emotions of the transition, so they can support family life. Yep, I totally agree with you. Well, thank you so much, Diane. This has been so helpful. I love your perspective on everything, obviously. Love your resources. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing these. And we'll make sure that we link everything in the show notes, especially to all of your wonderful, wonderful resources. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored. (laughs) Yeah, you're so welcome. And that's our wrap for this episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. And if you'd like to download the show notes from this episode, please visit swallowyourpridepodcast.com. There you can also sign up for our email list so that you'll never miss another episode. If you do like what you hear, then please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or share it on social media with your friends and colleagues because that is what keeps these episodes coming. If you'd like to be a guest, share feedback, or request a topic to be discussed on the show, please email podcast at TeresaRichard.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week.